Hello, everybody. It's Dan Clarkson Podcast. Most of my listeners know the drill. Sometimes they introduce it, sometimes they don't. This is not an introduction one. I'm just going to get straight into the rattle. If you're a new listener, right, I'm just going to tell you this straight off. There's no structure to this, so there will be a lot of, like, me rattling. And if I mention product at all, uh, it's because I've paid for it and I like it. And not because someone's giving it from free and I have to talk about it. And I drink coffee. And you'll leave me supping on it. And if you want to buy me a coffee, there's a link somewhere to buymeacoffee.com or whatever it's called. And you can put a couple of quid in, which helps fund the podcast, to be honest. Uh, and help me buy my coffee so that I'm motivated enough to do these podcasts. And I think that's probably an introduction that I said I wasn't going to do. And when I've done it, I'm looking out of my window at the moment uh, on a nice sort of, I want to say orb-esque. So orb, for people that don't know, is like a 1990s electronic pop combo. I'm looking out of my window and there's nice rolling mountains and white fluffy clouds. And that's all right. What we're going to talk about today, gang? Well, today I'm talking about something that's quite dear to my heart. And it's kind of mental health. But it's not a mental health podcast and I don't want you thinking, oh, I don't want to listen to a mental health podcast because it's not it. There's probably mental health podcasts you can listen to. I've done a few for British Canoeing. I'm sure you can Google them. Might even be on the British Canoeing website. But this is not one of them. I'm also doing some stuff for Black Dog Outdoors uh, over the weekend, which is a mental health charity that takes people into the outdoors, which is pretty cool. But again, this is not about that. This is about my opinions, and for whatever my opinions are worth, it's probably not worth a great deal. But they are probably viable to me. And if you listen to it, then I'm really pleased. Right, let's crack on. I'm going to use kayaking, or we can substitute sometimes the word kayaking for outdoor activities. So just accept that it's going to fluctuate between those two. Right. Can people stop saying kayaking's my therapy? Because not, is it? We hear a lot of people saying adventure's my therapy, and it's not. I work in adventure therapy, and it's a shit name. Because what it does, by saying kayaking's my therapy, or adventure is my therapy, it devalues adventure, and it devalues fucking therapy. Sorry for the swear. Therapists are people that have trained for years and years and years to help other people understand why they feel like they feel. And that could take a long time. An adventure doesn't do that. I 
I'd like to do something else. Right, let me try and split this for you. And I'm, I'm okay to be wrong on this. So if you think I'm wrong, I think I'm right, bang it in some comments for me. I'm okay with that. And I'll address it again later. Right, let's talk about adventure. Adventure can take you to a point of crisis. You can act in that hard rapid. All your senses are on overdrive. The noise of the white water. The enclosed nature of the gorge that you're in, perhaps. Or perhaps it's an open river. Wide fields. But people looking on. So you've got the pressure there. You've got some mate at the bottom with a camera and the lens the size of a house. Your heart's beating in your chest. You really don't want to do it, but you've decided that you're going to do it because somebody's told you to put on your big girl pants and man up to mix some metaphors there. So you do it. it takes you to a point of crisis. You get to the bottom and you're all shaky. Your adrenaline surging through your veins. You can't think straight. You can't talk properly. You don't know how you've managed it, to be honest. Because your skills are not up to it. And you've thrown yourself into it. That's not therapy. It's probably as far from therapy as it could possibly be, unless we teach Jacques Lacan to get a whitewater kayak and chuck himself down Palouse Falls. But what it does do, what adventure does do, is it puts us in this place that we're uncomfortable. And that's a good thing. Because it allows us to process things in our uncomfortable state. And some of us will process it and lock it away and weld it shut in a box and leave it in the back bedroom. And some of us won't. Some of us will sit on those thoughts and those feelings and those places that push us mentally and emotionally. And that's all right. Some of us will ignore this whole conversation that adventure can indeed do those things and we just go to the river or to the crag or to the bike park or wherever to hang out with our mates and have banter and then go to the pub. And that's all right. Excuse me, that's my coffee. So, like I say, adventure is not therapy. But it's not devoid of therapeutic uh, input. And I think anybody that kid that says it's uh, calculus, my therapy, is kind of missing the point. Uh, or the shortening language to make it fit a snappy social media post. I'm just going to tell you a little personal story because I know some of you like this sort of stuff. And uh, that's probably why you listen to me. Right. I started running just over a year ago. And people that listen to other podcasts and follow me on social media will know this stuff and you might be bored of it and I make no apologies for it. 
So running. When I started that run, I couldn't run more than 300 metres, <coughs> excuse me, before I curled up in the fetal position and cried to any god that had listened as my world imploded. And it wasn't the running that made me do this, it was my mental health. My mental health just wouldn't allow me the space to get my heartbeat going and to allow me to enjoy nature and all that stuff. I mean, I stopped paddling for a while. As uh, a lot of you will know that. And uh, for those that don't know that, uh, I, I got a PTSD diagnosis, which explains quite a lot of my behaviour over previous years. But I'm not going into it now. Right. Running is not therapy. But it does have therapeutic properties. And I'm going to give you a story of a run. And yes, I know, some of you come here to listen to kiting podcasts. But bear with me. I've started running ultras, 50Ks. My first marathon was actually in an ultra. Uh, I set out from my door and ran for eight and a half hours, 50K. And a month later, I did it again and again and again and again. About 30K for me. There's a thing called a despair squid in Red Dwarf. I don't know if any of you listen watch Red Dwarf, but there's a despair squid. And at 30k for me, that's roughly where my despair squid sort of latches onto me. And it takes me about 5k to get rid of the little bugger. And it's that 5k when all the thoughts and demons of the world attack me now. And they get me, and I force myself through that 5k. <coughs> Excuse me. And I sort of finish the next 15k and make myself a cup of tea. Uh, have a chip sandwich or something. But why is that important? Well, it's important for a number of reasons, isn't it? It's important because I don't think I'd be able to get to that place where my brain processing stuff uh, without a lot, a lot of uh, sitting in stillness and staring out of windows. And, you know, up until about 30k, I get to see nice views and chat to farmers and look at cows and all that. And after about 35k, I get to think to myself, well, I'm going home soon, and this is all right. And I know some ultra-runners call it the pain cave, and it is kind of a cave, because you're sort of sitting there for a bit, and you sort of embrace it. But and I've, I've learned to embrace this sort of darkness for a couple of k, and like 5k is only, what, half an hour or so, isn't it? I can deal with that. Now, for years and years and years, I've been whitewater kayaking. And I've been solo whitewater kayaking. And I've been in deep gorges and on first descents in the Himalayas. And I've put myself in places where I've had to avoid all the stuff that sits in the pain cave. Metaphorically speaking. Because I've had to get myself down these gorged in walls of rivers. All these uncharted floors, camping on beaches. And any time that's silent in those places, I've just had to think about my food and getting to sleep. So I've got enough energy for the following day to get out of that river, not knowing how long it's going to be. Because it's not finite at that point. An unknown river 
does not have a finite ending because it's unknown, even though you can look on the map and it says it's 100 kilometers. At that point on day one, you don't know how long it's going to take you to navigate that stretch. So you cannot, like well, cannot, sit with sit and think about anything but what's happening in there in the moment. And I've sat and thought about these two sort of avenues that are present in adventures. One that opens up the sort of pain and plots it somewhere, one that sort of blocks it away. But they're both the same, just they're not mutually exclusive. What they both do is allow me to sit in that moment in mindfulness. And I'm not talking any sort of take note hand vipassana here. I'm talking about just being in that moment. Understanding that I'm covered in sand, I'm tired after a day's kayaking, and I've got X amount of miles to go on a first descent and dealing with that. Or that I'm going through some low blood sugar, my muscles ache, my brain is like struggling with the adrenaline, and knowing that I've still got a big finite distance to go puts me in a place of mindfulness. Where the plod plod of the foot or the splash splash of the blade is what matters. And that moment matters as it echoes on through the minutes and the hours. It's not therapy though, is it? It's far from therapy. But it does open up those places where you can go and seek therapeutic input. For some people... Adventure is all they need, and that's all right. And that's fine, isn't it? And for some people, you know, they might have to sit in a professional's room, or probably on a Zoom call, read books, and just sit in the moment. And again, that's all right. So, ask yourself why this is even coming up now, why am I even discussing this? Well, I'm discussing it for a number of reasons. I work in adventure therapy, and I just don't like the term. I understand that we take people to a point of crisis so they can mimic emotionally, maybe a past trauma that they hided. I get that. But then, I'm not a trained therapist. And dealing with any fallout from that is really tricky for me. And probably anybody that works in adventure, in the adventure sector that works in uh, programs that have got a title of adventure therapy. It's, I just think it's a wrong title. But there was lots of academic books on how adventure can be therapeutic. And I get that. But adventure is not therapy. I think we need a different word. Therapy can be adventure. I'm sure of that. I'm sure people that undergo therapeutic input go on adventures of the mind and the soul. I'm sure of that. But I'm not sure about it the other way around. 
but I'm not trying to negate the sector of adventure therapy. I am going to negate it when people say kayaking is my therapy or running is my therapy. Because it's not, if, you've got, if you're not guided, you're just going to sit with those demons and they're going to rattle around in your brain box and all that malarkey. But that's all right, isn't it? It's okay we talk about this stuff. Right, I'm sorry, that was quite intense and it, it didn't mean to be intense and it, it shouldn't have been intense. But sometimes it has to be, I think. And sometimes you have to talk about this stuff. And sometimes I think more and more people are waking up to the fact that mental wellness matters. Checking in on your mates. I mean, would you know what to do if your friend of yours or a stranger told you that they needed help? Would you know where to signpost them to get that help? Would you know what to do if a friend or a stranger disclosed to you how they were really feeling, how they'd been hiding it for years? And if you don't know the answers, it's all right, gang. If you want to know the answers to this stuff, sign yourself on a mental health first aid course. That'd be really cool. Don't shy away from it. I'm going to talk about smiles now. I'm going to talk about smiles for a few minutes and take this away from the seriousness of what it became. I was out paddling yesterday. I've not paddled for a few weeks and I felt pretty rusty. And I had some, somebody taking photographs of me, which was really cool. Uh, we are just doing some sort of promo shots and what have you. That was really nice. Uh, paddling a river. I paddled for 30 odd years. So I knew all the moves. But ultimately, you know, I got on this river and I'm in colour-coded paddling gear, looking at the lens, you know, and all that malarkey. And I felt nervous. Not for me, but I just didn't want to waste the photographer's time, girl's time. And I kept missing moves. I was in a boat that I'd never paddled before. Because the boat matched the gear I was wearing. <laughs> How vain do I sound? Uh, and I, yeah, I just sort of missed a couple of lines. But I'm all right with that. And I found that when I stopped thinking about the moves I needed to make to make the photograph work, everything actually worked a lot better, like it should. You know, I became the paddler that I've uh, I've become, really. Quite unconscious in the way I move and slide around the river. But that's obviously not how it felt when I had a lens pointed in my face. But it was good fun. And it's nice. And that's magical, isn't it? It's magical watching the light bounce off the water. How the rapid sort of changes and morphs when the sun goes behind a tree and you get an extra shadow across the pool. When you zip and you zoom past those rocks. When you bounce on that wave as you surf and you get that little rainbow uh, formed by the water droplets over the bow of your boat. That's pretty special. And you get those laughs. Those laughs are really good. 
and you see friends that you've not seen for a long time and you talk shit to them. You know? We do that, don't we? How are you getting on? People, people ask you all the time, you all right? And what they really want to hear is, yeah, fine. You? What they don't want to hear a lot of the time is your life story. But sometimes you've got to tell them it. Sometimes you've got to tell them you're not feeling so good and all this. And that's okay. So that's my day yesterday paddling. That was good. A couple of days before, I'd been on the aqueduct, Telford's waterway in the sky. That's outside Langotham, over the River Dee. Myself, Andy Turton, some friends, were working out how to make open canoeing accessible for wheelchair users. How to get wheelchair users over the aqueduct in open boats. People with limited mobility. If any mobility at all. Because this stuff matters. Accessing these places that can open us up to experiences internally matter, don't they? And I'm pretty lucky that I can go to a river or I can go to a trail to go running or I can run from my door and I can have all these adventures. Some people are not so lucky. Some people don't have these adventures because the world doesn't allow them to through circumstance or accessibility. That's shocking. Really is shocking. So, yeah, we worked on a open boat concept with a hoist sling and slide sheets and an adaptable chair. And that's going to be really cool uh, when we go out on the weekend and we take somebody over the aqueduct and they can look down from the waterway in the sky. That's going to be cool. And then there's going to be canal boats pottering around, which is going to be really, really cool. I love a good narrow boat. Not so much at the moment when you're getting holidaymakers careering down canal to bouncing off canal to pass. Not a fan of that. But I do like it when people live on narrow boats. The short little springer. Springers tend to be quite short boats. I quite like a spring and a little headroom. I could never live on one of those. I'd bang there all the time. But the beautiful things, and there's a tradition there to the to the cut, as it were. Tradition of the cut. The levelers, I think, wrote, even wrote a song about the life of a boatman. And that's me regressing back to my university days of crusty travellers. Which is probably not the point in this podcast. Anyway, I am going to sort of sign off in a sec because we're 20 odd minutes in and I quite like these as 20 odd minutes. Well, thank you for listening. And I know I went on a bit of a rant and it wasn't formed in any way, shape or form, but it might be one day. I might write an article on it, how adventure is not therapy. And we can stop calling adventure therapy. But maybe it's just a linguistical thing. Maybe it's not. But it is okay for the for adventures to be there to help you feel better about yourselves. You know, 
it's okay to go. I love this stuff. Oh, I hate this stuff, but it takes me places that nowhere, nothing else can do. It's okay to say all that stuff. It's okay to be pushed to the point of crisis in a safer environment and then deal with what comes. That's all right. But don't hurt yourselves emotionally again. You know, look after your mental wellness. Deal with that stuff. Speak to people if you need to. I hate to think that anybody listening to this podcast is uh, triggered by any of the things I've said. You're going to be okay, gang. Right, I'm off. Uh, because it's a lovely day outside. And uh, I'm going to make myself another coffee as well before I do anything. Have a lovely, lovely day, everyone. And I'll speak to you very, very soon. Ta-ra.